The following audio has been brought to you by Word of Grace Community Church. For more information about Word of Grace, visit wogcc.com. When you give financially at Word of Grace, we take 10% of that and we sow into 12 different ministries that we call Global Partners. We have a tower, if you've ever been curious, over by the cafe that has a slideshow on it as well as correspondence from those various partners um, so you can see who it is that we support. So when you give, you know you're sowing into those ministries. And we try to bring all of those ministries uh, to the church at least once a year to give an update. And I thought that in light of the Altars and Idols um, series that I knew I was going to be doing because I always prepare my sermon map in October um, for the next year. And uh, I hit Cully up about a year ago and I said, hey man, what does uh, your end of November look like? for next year. <laughs> and uh, I invited them to uh, be able to come and share some of what God is doing in Samaritan's Hand because they're one of our global partners. And we believe God is doing some powerful things there and we're glad to be a part of it. We just were able to collect some food to help stock the uh, cupboards of the sober house uh, that was recently opened. And so that was a great thing if you guys were able to participate in that. We have a lot of our church members here that are a part of the ministry, and man, you'll get to hear about that, but I want you to hear directly from them. So, Word of Grace, would you give a warm welcome to our friend, Cully, this morning from Samaritan's Hand. Morning, church. I'm Cully. Ah. <laughs> Jesus, right on. Yeah, there's one that's with us. Um, I'm Cully. I'm the Grateful Executive Director of Samaritan's Hand. Um, as Pastor Derek said, uh, you guys might have heard our name around uh, the church for a while. Um, I'm just going to give a quick introduction of uh, Samaritan's Hand. It's uh, the only faith-based drug and alcohol um, clinic in Sheboygan County, if you don't know who we are or what we do, and probably far beyond. But um, one of the things besides coming here and sharing what Samaritan's Hand is and what we do is uh, where we are. Um, here at Word of Grace, um, we're not just coming here to talk to you about this. Uh, Word of Grace is part of this. And... Uh, the last service, we had a lot of people um, that were involved in Samaritan's Hand at different levels. So the people that you come to church with, uh, when we say that you guys are the hands and feet of the church, you guys really are. And you don't even know who you sit with a lot of times, probably at the early service or the late service. The two young fellows that gave their uh, testimonies um, at the first service, they're both both members or, um, or call this their church home. I don't don't a member thing, but the church, they call this their church home. We've got uh, volunteers that come here all the time. We've got uh, a lot of donors that are in this room. Um, you know, giving a shout out, I got my guy, the Jesus guy, board president, Sean, his uh, uh, wife, Brenda, great volunteer, Andrea, their daughter, volunteers. Um, we've got uh, Terry, my guy over here, he runs my Samaritan's Hand Sober House with the guys. Um, we had a bunch of staff members, donors, uh, board people, whoever at the first service, and a lot of our clients and residents at the um, sober house. Um, so our people sit amongst you all the time. Um, so a bunch of them are sitting here today. I didn't call out a bunch of our clients because a lot of that's here, you know, between you and them and Jesus. So i um, got a bunch of guys here from the house today. Got some uh, clients that have been through our program today. Um, we got uh, some people that have been through the Samaritan's Hand program that call this their church home that have been in ministry, they uh, own their own businesses, they, uh, their marriages are restored, they're married, they own homes, they uh, have children, um, they're productive members of society, and 
they've struggled with drugs and alcohol. They came to Samaritan's Hand, and as uh, the, they were singing before, Samaritan's Hand really does exist to give hope to the hopeless and healing for the hurting. We all know that no matter what your sin is, uh, drugs and alcohol is a sin like anything else, and uh, our sin nature, um, the, whatever your problem is, the answer is Jesus, so correct on the answer. Um, so uh, that, um, that's where we're coming from. And uh, we help all adults, if they can get uh, to us in any way, with uh, substance abuse. Um, anybody 18 or over, it's adults. Um, we just recently launched on October 1st the um, Men's Sober House. So we're four months into that endeavor. And that has been amazing. And I want to thank you for that food drive because our guys eat. <laughs> eat. And... Uh, yeah, so that's a lot of fun, but all you guys, uh, like you said, being a global partner of ours for multiple years now, you guys, the volunteers come out of here. So like I said, I just want to thank you as a church, not only for being behind us to this far, letting us come share today about uh, the good news. We hear all this garbage about all this, you know, whatever's conspiracies and all this bad stuff and all of the whatever kind of next things going on out there. But what about the good news? What about the good news of Jesus Christ? That he's out there performing miracles every day. He's out there restoring lives. He's out there healing communities, healing families. What about the good news? Let's talk about the good news of Jesus Christ today. Um, that's, we know that's the power of Samaritan's hand. It's not counselors, it's not, you know, workbooks, it's not whatever else, it's right here, it's the truth. He works in the people there, no matter who they are. Um, and it's Jesus that's doing the healing there. He works through everybody that comes there from the new guy to the, I guess I'm the old guy. And, uh, but uh, it's all about him. That's where the healing, and we really believe that uh, the transformation needs to happen in here. Um, if your heart's not right and God can't change your heart, the rest of it's behavior modification. That's why it doesn't stick. You know, my guys, me, whoever come in and out of, you know, incarcerations, treatment centers off the street, you know, hooked on dope or booze or whatever your thing was, is uh, I needed my heart changed. I needed, it wasn't behavior modification. I wasn't trying to quit because of her or because of my job or because of the PO or where they were going to put me next or anything else. Today, I want to stay clean and sober to honor the king, to honor my brothers and sisters. And I don't have the desire to use today because the, you know, because Jesus has taken that away from me. And when the inside heart changes, the outside, the behavior modification obviously comes with it. So first of all, they need Jesus. They don't need anything else. They need Jesus. So, okay, I'm going to shut up for a while, and I'm going to bring up a couple of my brothers that are going to tell you exactly how this works. So come on up, brothers. And um, so anyway, thank you again like for all your sewing into it. But um, these guys are going to share you a little bit of uh, their experience with Samaritan's Hand and uh, a little story about Jesus. Hey guys, I'm Dakota Anton, um, and I found out about Samaritan's Hand uh, this July. Um, and before that, I had went to jail and then to a uh, treatment center and then to the Salvation Army. And the reason why I went to Salvation Army is because of my using. My relationship with my parents was so broken that they would not allow me to stay at their house at all. Um, they helped me out, get to treatment and all that, but they didn't want to help me out at all. And uh, after that, I was kind of in this zone where I didn't know why God was letting this happen to me, or I didn't even really believe in God at all. 
And uh, while I was staying at the Salvation Army, I met this guy, and he kind of, you know, kept on mentioning this Samaritan's Hand thing. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, I already go to a bunch of AA and NA meetings. And he's like, well, you should come check it out. It's really cool, and it's about Jesus. So I was like, okay, I'll come check it out. And I went to their, one of their AODA meetings. And it kind of blew me away, I'm not going to lie, because it was so open. Because at AA and NA meetings, I kind of have to guard my tongue to what I say about Jesus and stuff, because they're not really all for that. They're all for like a high, power higher than yourself or whatever they think of. And uh, Samaritan's hand really opened my eyes, but I wasn't a full believer yet. And it just kind of planted a seed in my head. And... Uh, then August 1st, contrary to what Cully said, it actually opened August, not October. Got you, buddy. <laughs> but um, it actually opened August, and I was one of the first residents there. And um, once I was totally enveloped in the program, I really started to build my personal relationship with Jesus. And that was something that was completely new to me, because I had never really had a personal relationship with Jesus even though I was surrounded by it every day when I was growing up. I mean, I went to a Christian school my entire life. I know my parents took me to church every Sunday and all that, but I'd never had that personal connection that, you know, you can feel and you know God's really up there looking out for you. And as I started to look back at my life, I realized that God wasn't doing this to punish me. He was actually doing this to grow me closer to him so that I would know that he is God and Lord. And today, you know, my, the relationship with my parents is completely fixed. I mean, they bought me a car, and they're letting me stay, you know, at their house when I need to. And right now, he's, they're helping me get back my son uh, so that I can have, you know, 50-50 custody and placement with him and all that. And they're... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I have to say... It's all because of Jesus, because, I mean, and the shape I was, and the attitude I had, and, I mean, just the hardened, the place that I had gotten to, where I'd hardened my heart to Jesus, you know, Samaritan's hand, God used Samaritan's hand to really help me bring, back to him, bring me back to him and out of the depths of addiction, and that's uh, really how it's done, and I can thank Jesus every day for that, so... Well, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Jason, um, one of the new brothers in the home. Um, my lifelong story is uh, a story of being bound by drugs, alcohol, gang life. And um, I've always came to Jesus when I needed help. When, I, when, when things were going good, I never really praised his name and uh, lived by sight and leaned on my own understanding, and uh, somehow I would forget about him. And... Um, just recently uh, in my life, I'm coming out of a 15-year marriage, and uh, during that time period, um, I was a strong man of God, and slowly but surely, the devil would wear away little pieces of me, and I, it was very conniving to where I didn't recognize what was going on, and eventually, um, he ended up coming into the camp, into my home, and... Um, what had happened was I started living by sight uh, and not by faith. And um, 
I just, everything in my whole world started falling apart, uh, including my marriage, including the relationship with my children, and uh, pretty close to being my job and my residence, you name it, I was being stripped away. And I look back on that period of time now and I say, well, you know, I think about, well, why did the devil do this to me? But what I didn't understand is that God was actually, since I turned my face from him, he was actually making a way for me to come back. And he was slowly taking things away from me that were in my heart as a value. And um, so when this all happened last August and um, I came to my knees and, and asked for forgiveness and asked for direction and um, Romans 10.9 says that if you confess in, by your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he's been raised from the dead, then you shall be saved. And I, I admitted that and I believed that in my heart for a very long time in my life. But I had forgotten that. You know what? I am already saved. So um, when this all took place, I just I leaned on that understanding. It's, it talks about renewing your mind, renewing your thinking. And uh, I had taken my myself to a place where I wasn't leaning on the truth. Uh, the devil had me blinded by, you know, physical and material things. And um, so when that all happened, I, I asked God, please direct my path. And I ended up taking myself out of a very chaotic situation uh, because I know there was no place left for me but death. I relapsed on alcohol um, after seven years of sobriety. And it was a really tough thing. The devil had me bound up by shame, by guilt. Um, it just, it was so disgusting, the way I was thinking. So I ended up going into the Salvation Army and uh, lived there for a little while. And I kept asking God, please direct my path. Please direct my path. I know nothing. And uh, little by little, I've heard, I heard um, about Samaritan's Hand and Deep in my heart, God knows my heart. I'm like, wow, that is, that is what I really want. And it just seemed like the harder I tried to do it, the further he put me on a different path. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know, you, got, you have your way. I'm going to trust in you. Um, every time I followed you, you've made miracles happen. As a matter of fact, I'm a cancer survivor. Back in 2005, he, he took that cancer away. And I'm here today breathing because I give all the glory to God. He has another purpose for me. So then he, um, he directed me into Turning Point. And it wasn't like a, um, an ordered thing. I had to desire to go further and further along that relationship that I knew I had with Jesus. And uh, so I checked, checked myself in there, and there was an exit date, and Things didn't, and I still had the Samaritan's hand in the back of my mind because I knew that was the foundation I needed. I needed a place where I could be free to talk about Jesus and feel free to talk about my relationship and not be ashamed about who I was as a sinner. And um, so I was in Turning Point, and they had these exit dates, and the, the exit dates didn't line up with what I can do to get in there. So I asked, like it says, ask, seek, and knock. Um, I asked the director, I said, hey, I don't feel safe out in the world right now. Could you extend that? And I had it extended a couple of times until everything, God showed me, okay, now this is the time. And I just made phone calls and um, asked the Lord, please be with me in my assessment and just let your love come out of my heart and my intentions come out of my heart. And Samaritan's hand is like a gift from God to me. 
Um, it's a very peaceful and safe place for someone who has been bound and been blinded by the world to come in and get their relationship with Jesus Christ again. Uh, because I know nothing on my own. Um, I get the answers through being on my knees and asking for forgiveness every morning and asking him to light my footsteps. And uh, as a matter of fact, I didn't even plan to get up here today. So here we are. But uh, thank you, Jesus. I'm really thankful for Cully. I think I went to a Bible study or um, something a while back when Praise Fellowship was going on. He had something going on out there, and I had remembered him and that he was a no-nonsense guy. You know, you get these people in life and educated people like psychiatrists and counselors, they have no idea. You know, but you, you come over with, with Cully, it looks you in the eye, and he can tell when you're lying. I mean, he's led by the Spirit, first of all, and second of all, he's been there. So it's just a blessing to have these guys in the, in the home, the group home, iron sharpening iron, and uh, just fellowshipping together, eating healthy again, um, and getting our mind right with, through the relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, um, I love the book of Titus, and that's really what I'm focusing on now. It's a real disciplined book. Uh, but uh, the gospel is the most important to me. And I know that the uh, enemy wants to take me out, just like probably some of you out there. They, he wants to take you out. He's going to strip some of the things away from you in your life until you turn back to God or, or what have you. And um, I know that God has got a plan for me, and there's certain peoples, people that I can only reach that will only understand where I'm coming from, along with each and every one of these guys in the home. Um, I might not be able to reach the person that he can reach. And it just seems like the more uh, people that we have and uh, the more understanding we get in our own personal walk with Jesus Christ, the, the, the odds are we're going to reach more people. And I'm just thankful and, and blessed to be in the home today. Uh, there's probably people that uh, I have to make apologies for or to for my behaviors as being in the world. And there'll come a time for that. There's a season for everything. And right now my season is to get my, my mind back uh, through the word of God. And uh, I just give all the glory to God that, you know, there's, there's a time and place for everything. And I always believe that, you know, Jesus is not too soon and not too late, but he's right on time every single time. And for the Samaritan's house uh, to be opened in August, it's actually when all of this happened in my life. So I, I, you know, I smashed my fist on the table, and often in my emotional state, I would say, why, why? You know, I want the answers now. And it's just until you just quiet that thinking and let that soft voice come back into your mind that you can look back on a month or two or even sometimes a year ago and realize, you know what, now I understand. And it's only because Jesus is now speaking to me and I'm having an open communication with the best friend I've ever had. Um, and I give all the glory to God for a Samaritan's hand because it was right on time. I mean, two months ago. So I really appreciate everybody coming and um, that's it for me. Thank you. All right, so you, uh, you heard some of, a uh, couple testimonies, some of what happens at Samaritan's Hand. Like Jason said, he's not kidding. I asked him out in the hallway before service if he wants to give some glory to God, and he said, of course I do. Um, Dakota, like I said, a lot of these guys, you couldn't shut them down if you wanted to. They knew who the real thing is. And um, 
Again, I want to thank all of you for just your prayers, not just, all of your prayers. You know, all of your volunteering, your churches, global partners, the food drive, all the other things, all of the people, like I said, that you, really that are your church family, that you sit next to all the time. And like I said, you might not know that there are clients, there are residents, there are workers, there are board members, there are, you know, um, team members, there are donors, they're whatever else, and like I said, in your churches as a whole. That's why we exist. Um, we're going into our eighth year in February. Um, we opened the Samaritan's Hand House because we saw the need. Well, you can see what some of that fruit has been in four months. Um, there's guys over there working right now. I don't want to forget Jordan. He's another uh, church member here too, and uh, he's over there working at the house and serving with the rest of the fellas as we sit here right now. Um, that place goes 24-7 with nothing but Jesus. Um, our office every night of the week, every day of the week. It's a heavy lift. Our next vision is we're trying to open a female house for the sisters that are out there suffering right now too. We're in that fundraising thing, uh, that whatever right now, that uh, fundraising campaign that we're trying to do right now to bring them from shelter from the storm. So um, like I said, the, the guys, it's a, it's a great place to be. Um, if you know anybody that uh, needs any type of addiction help for the males at the house, if they, you know anybody that uh, needs any help with any AODA drug or alcohol issues, just have them call our office. We're out here at this booth. Me and my brothers would love to talk to you. Um, one phone call, and it'll change your life. I mean, they'll get you in that same day. You can come to a meeting, a group, see a counselor, go to a Bible study, or catch some love of Jesus that night. And that's the healing that these people need, man. That's what they need. They don't need a bunch of other, like these guys said it, they don't need a bunch of other nonsense. They need the truth, and they need Jesus. And like I said, that's all we got. So uh, thank you all for your time today. Thank your church. Thank Jesus. And I want to thank my brave guys here for coming up here and keeping it real. So God bless all of you. Have a great day. Why don't you stand, church, and why don't we do this? Why don't we pray um, for Cully and Samaritan's hand and um, just grateful for what God is doing and the fact that we get to be a part of it. And I was telling Cully a little bit backstage earlier, I'm grateful that we are the type of church family where people from any background can feel comfortable to call this their church home. And they can feel loved and welcome and accepted because we've all got stuff. We've all got issues. Some of our stuff looks different than other people's. And it doesn't matter what your background is. All that matters is that Jesus brings us together. And that's a beautiful thing because we are forever family. And uh, it just blesses me that people feel loved and, and welcome here. So that's awesome. So let's, let's just pray. Why don't you stretch your hand forth just as a sign of faith and agreement. Lord, we thank you so much for the testimonies of those men that shared today. Thank you for the testimonies that are yet to be shared, and we just thank you for what you're doing in hearts and lives at Samaritan's Hand. We thank you for putting this vision in Cully's heart, and we thank you for his obedience, and we pray that you would send people around him and his team to be able to continue to do the ministry that's needed to be done, that they would expand according to your will, that they would touch people's lives according to your will, Father, and that you would send the resources and the personnel needed to accomplish those things because this is your ministry and this is uh, we're your people. We just get to be a part of this and we're grateful for that. So thank you, Lord, for uh, connecting Word of Grace uh, in our heart to this ministry. And we just pray that as your kingdom agenda moves forward, that you'll be glorified, that souls will be saved, and that people will find freedom and healing and peace in Jesus Christ. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
It's so awesome to hear stories about what God is doing in people's lives, like what we heard from a couple of the guys from Samaritan's Hand. Um, I saw Kurt up there. We're going to have to get you up here sometime, bro, uh, since you didn't say anything today. Um, everybody wants to hear that too. So, you know, um, it's just, man, it's so cool that we get to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. I mean, he doesn't really need us. It's not like God's going, oh, I hope that they, he's got his fingers crossed. I hope they want to be a part of what I'm doing in the earth. No, guys, we get to be a part of this. It's such an honor that we get to be a part of what God is doing. We should count that a blessing. And last week, I was able to sit up here and, you know, teach with my dad and share uh, stories about that journey as well. And um, it's just such a blessing to get to be a part of that. And these testimonies, my prayer is, is that they would stir something in you. Um, Testimonies are powerful. And I hope that they stir something in you to see beyond your current struggle, beyond your current situation, and that it would stir up hope in you. Because hope is a powerful thing. Hope allows you to see beyond your current struggles. And I want you to know that there is hope for you today to truly be free. It doesn't matter what your struggle is. It doesn't matter what idol has lied to you. It can be depression. It can be isolation. It can be pornography. It can be approval addiction. It can be alcoholism or drugs or sexual addiction. It can be abuse, manipulation, greed, fear, whatever the case may be. There is hope. There is real freedom available. And today, for the next few moments, I want to talk to you as we wrap this series up about real freedom. Because freedom in Christ is not a theory. It is a reality. I want you to get that. And I want you to understand that and believe that. I grew up in church. And I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up in church and I've heard scriptures. And sometimes you hear certain scriptures so much that you're wondering, are those things actually true? Because I've heard it so much, but my experience in life maybe has been different from what I've heard taught or what some preacher said or what I've read in Scripture. And I want to have hope. I want to believe. Listen, there is a reality that God wants us to experience, and it is truly freedom in Christ. I want to help you to build a bridge today between something you've heard and something God wants you to experience. Because if all we do is just hear about freedom, but we never experience that freedom, that's not God's best. And that's not what God wants. He wants us to walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ bought and paid for on the cross. Amen, somebody? He wants us to do that. So my hope today is that through the testimonies you've heard and through the word that I want to share with you today, that a bridge will be built because freedom in Christ is not a theory. It is a reality. So go to the scripture in the book of John, and we'll go to John chapter 8, and we're going to look at what Christ himself said. In John chapter 8, and verse 30, scripture says, And he was saying these things, and many believed him. So he was talking to people, and there was something stirred up there. There was a belief stirred up, And then Jesus says this next. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, we don't realize that there is freedom in Jesus Christ, that he truly has bought and paid for our freedom on the cross. We may be Christians, 
We may be followers of Christ, but too often our identity is tied to the past of who we were before Christ. Or maybe our, our past has us bound, and maybe there's thoughts of hopelessness, or maybe there's present struggles that perhaps dims the light for what could be in our future. And I'm not going to give you a formula today. This isn't some life hack that's going to improve your situation in 30 days or your money back. No, this is real freedom. Real freedom, not a formula. It's the reality that when we experience when Jesus truly becomes enough. There's freedom and contentment when Christ has truly become enough. There really is. There's freedom and contentment in Christ because often the things that we want or maybe the things we feel deserving of, oftentimes those things, even the good things, they can oftentimes come our way when we find contentment in Christ. There's truth in Matthew 6 and 33 that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these other things will be taken care of. You see, what happens is that Jesus reorients our heart's affections. He reorients our heart's desires. And when he is first, he helps us to prioritize the rest and be able to take care of the rest. We, we try to put the cart before the horse and we try to say, I'll get all these things fixed first and then I'll feel good enough to come to church or I'll feel good enough to serve God or I'll feel good enough to maybe do this. Oh, I need to get this part fixed first or this part out of the way. And Jesus is like, no, me first, then everything else. And it's so often we get it backwards and sometimes it's even good stuff that we want that's not bad. I have a friend his name's Pastor Andy Shanholtz. He's one of my dearest friends, and he is just a personal hero to me and has been a mentor in my life. And he's been in ministry for 35-plus years. And all the time that he was in ministry, he was always in an associate role or in a counseling role. And Pastor Andy knew God had called him to be a senior pastor in a church. But every time it seemed like that there was an opportunity for he to, him to be a senior pastor somewhere, something happened. Uh, either another person would take the role, or maybe it just didn't work out, you know, that particular time, and he kept trying, and he was getting frustrated and feeling like, what's wrong with me? Is there something I need to change? Is there something I need to do? Because these people weren't necessarily saying, well, you don't have enough of this, or you have too much of that. It just didn't work out every time there was an opportunity for him to be a senior pastor. And then back in 2014, we had the opportunity at Word of Grace to bring him on staff, and I hired Pastor Andy, and he came and served here for two and a half years as an associate pastor at the church. And during that time, after him being here a little over two years, he sat down with me and he said, you know, Derek, I think that where I am, I love the staff, I love your vision, I love what God is doing here at Word of Grace, he said. And I just want to spend the rest of my life helping move that vision forward. And I want to spend the rest of my life just being a part of what God's doing at Word of Grace to move this church in the direction that God wants. And you know what? I'm finally happy and able to say that. He said, because I thought I'd be a senior pastor. He said, I thought that's what God wanted me to do. And I had this in my heart, but it seemed like all the things would always close. And I always wondered why. He said, but you know what? He said, I'm finally in a place where I can just be here and be supportive and do the role that God's called me to be, and I'm completely content in that. And it wasn't a month after we had that meeting that someone came knocking on his door, and they gave him a phone call and said, hey, we'd really like for you to, to come and be our senior pastor. 
And he comes to me and he says, hey, I, I wasn't looking for this. He comes, he was really honest with me. He was super transparent with me. He said, I wasn't looking for this. He, and he asked me, he said, do you think I should do it? He asked me, do you, he said, you know, he said, I don't want to do this if I don't, if I don't have your blessing. And I was like, whoa, like this guy's taking this really seriously. And I said, bro, I said, go check it out. See if God's in this. I said, just follow the rabbit down the hole. See, if, is God in this? I said, there's, there's no harm in going and talking to him. And things kept lining up and just happening. And it was this just beautiful situation to where Pastor Andy ended up being the senior pastor at Hope Community Church over in the Two Rivers Manitowoc area. And then one of our staff members here just recently was able to go over there. There was a role he needed, and, and we were able to help Trenton, one of our staff members, transition over there. And Trenton's doing a great job with their worship over there. And you see how beautiful that is when the family of God, when the kingdom of God works like that. And you're like, this is a beautiful thing, and it honors God, it glorifies God. And Pastor Andy finally got to step into that role when he finally said, you know what, I'm content where I'm at. Did you follow that story? Are, are you catching kind of what's going on here. You see, you may have good desires. You may have good dreams. You may have good aspirations. And they may be God-honoring, and you're wondering why God, or when God, or how God. And God's like, will you just be content with me? Will I be enough for you right here? Or do you feel like you have to have this thing in order to be significant, or to have this thing in order to matter? Why can't I be enough right here, right in this moment? Because it's always challenged me very deeply when I think about people who live in third world countries who don't even have a, a fraction of what we have materially, but they can still be very content and joyful serving Christ. I've been on those short-term mission trips and seen living conditions that I couldn't imagine that being my day-to-day -day reality, but yet I see smiles in spite of that. I see joy in spite of that. I see kids having fun and parents loving their family. I see that, and I see the love of Christ in their eyes in spite of the lack. So it's not the stuff that brings the happiness. No, it's Christ that makes us truly free and happy and joyful and can have real peace. Doesn't mean we won't have problems. Doesn't mean we won't have challenges. Don't mean we won't be tempted, but it means that I can be fulfilled and content and at peace knowing Christ is enough. That's where true contentment is found. Satisfaction in Christ keeps me focused on eternity. And everything, becomes, everything else becomes secondary. When Jesus is the center of our lives, when he's truly our Lord, our perspective, it shifts from temporary to eternal things. Because temporary things are great, but listen, eternal things take priority when I realize Jesus is everything. And I didn't come up with this statement but anything good that's worth saying once is worth saying again. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not like Jesus and that promotion. It's not like Jesus and my future spouse. It's not like Jesus and acceptance from my friends. It's not like Jesus and a new car. It's not like Jesus and all of the acceptance and approval and celebrating from other people. No, it's just Jesus. And we know this as Christians. We know we're supposed to be content and satisfied in him. We all know this. I mean, I preach this and teach this stuff all the time. But it has to become a reality to us in order for us to truly experience peace. And that's where scripture says we will have a peace that passes our understanding, that it guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. When Jesus truly becomes enough. 
We have too much of our affection set on the things of this world. We get distracted by shiny objects. We get distracted by good marketing plays that play on the fear of rejection that we're told that if we don't want to be alone or if we don't want to be on the outside, then we need to have a certain kind of life or we need to have certain things. And because of the sphere of missing out, the sphere of not being included, we'll, we'll all of a sudden make poor choices because we think there's some truth to that and we believe the lie. And the idol, it's so shiny and it's so crafty and it comes to me and tells me and promises me all these things. But they're all lies because the idol doesn't have any power to deliver anything it promises. It only leads to darkness and and bondage. And that's not God's will. That's not God's best. You see, we live with this belief that joy, peace, and contentment are found in things people, relationships, or status. And if we believe that lie, and if we live our life like that is true, then we will end up more bound than we've ever been. We'll end up in more debt, more heartache, more disappointment, and then we want to get mad at God. And then we'll say, God, why? Why hasn't this happened to me yet? Why haven't I been able to do this yet? It's not fair. And doesn't it seem this way that when you really want something and you want God to do something for you and it's not happening, it seems like it's happening to everybody else? Like it's like everybody else but you and it seems like this isn't fair. This doesn't make sense. Why is everyone else getting all of this? And the enemy loves to just magnify how you're being left out. And then we believe the lie that we're being left out when the truth is God is wanting us to come to a place of contentment with Christ. Because Christ has to be enough. It's Christ. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Not serve Jesus so I can get these things and then I'll be content. It's not like Jesus is the doorman holding the door open for us to go into the room where all of our dreams and fantasies and wishes are fulfilled. He's not a genie. He's not Santa Claus. He's everything. When you become a Christian, you get Jesus and that's enough. The fact that we get to go to him and talk to him about our sicknesses and we get to talk to him about our situations and our challenges, that's like bonus. That's like fringe extra bonus stuff. That's not the reason why we serve him. The reason why we serve him is because we're lost and doomed to an eternity separated from him in a place called hell if we don't have a right relationship with God. And I can't make my relationship right with God because I can't do enough good to get right in God's eyes. Jesus did it for me. And so now it's not about me trying to tip the scales of justice in my favor, but rather it's about me going, Jesus, you paid it all. You took all my sin, all my shame, all my hang-ups, all my habits, all my junk, and you took, it to, you took it to the cross. And you died in my place so that now it should just make sense that I would be so blown away by the fact you would do that that I want to serve you with every fiber in my being. Because no one else could do that for me. Because everyone else is just like me. <laughs> They're a sinner that needs a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior. Amen? Amen? And so when Jesus told his disciples, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. And 
He who the Son has set free is free indeed. Man, he's talking about real freedom when Jesus becomes enough. It's not Jesus, oh, I need this, I need that. He's like, no, I'm everything you need. You can take everything else away. And if you still have Jesus, you still have everything that you need. If I never get another answered prayer, if I lose my job tomorrow, if my closest friends and family abandon me, if I have Jesus, I still have everything. That doesn't mean that it won't hurt. It'll hurt. There'll be pain attached to it, but I can still be content through the pain when I remind myself of the gospel, when I remind myself that Jesus is enough. And I really believe that. Because as I look at people who are persecuted for their faith far worse than you and I here in our country, what is the motivator? They could have all this comfort, all this ease, all this pleasure if they would just recant, but they refuse. Why do they refuse in spite of losing people, in spite of being tortured, imprisoned, starved? Why would they do that? Because Christ has become enough for them. I believe Christ is enough. Do you believe that today? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Keep the truth of God's word in front of you because if you're struggling with a lack of joy, peace, and contentment, if you're wrapped up in idol worship and you're trapped and you want to be free, I want to spend significant time renewing your mind and reorienting your heart's desires this morning. And so with the last few minutes that we have here together, I want to do something. I want to teach you something. Go over to the book of Ephesians. Remember Ephesians chapter 1. This is the power of the Word of God. The washing of the water of the Word of God. The renewing of the mind. You know that Scripture works. Amen? It's alive and it's powerful. It's not just words on a page. That the Word of God is alive and powerful. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And this is where Derek's going to just shut down. And I'm just going to read Scripture to you, and you can read along if you want. We're going to just read Ephesians. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God do whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do in your heart and in your mind. There may be something that you need to stop and you just need to underline or highlight. Or maybe God puts something in your heart you need to write down. Or maybe God stirs something in you that you need to take action on and you need to make a note of that. I'm not going to try to dictate to you and tell you what to do because I want the Holy Spirit of God through His Word to speak to your heart because you don't need Derek's commentary on the Scripture to be free in Christ. The Word has the power, amen? The Word and the Holy Spirit in you, I believe, through reading this Word, and if you get to that place where you're discouraged, where you're challenged, where you're frustrated, where you're tempted, where you forget who you are in Christ, go back and read the scripture. And if you don't know where to go, go here. Go to Ephesians 1. We're going to read Ephesians 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us 
in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan from the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who, were, we who were with the first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with a promise, Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I'm remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2, listen to this. And you were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We were carrying out the desires of our body and of our mind, and by nature we were children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you were saved, and he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, which is made by the flesh of hands. Remember that you were at, at, at that time separated from Christ. At that time you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenant and the promises, and you had no hope and without God while you were in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, 
You've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to one, to one spirit in, to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone of, in whom the whole structure is joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God, I thank you for your word. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, do in us and through us what pleases you as we want to be vessels and instruments to be used for your glory. Let us be so in awe of what you've done, Lord, that it brings us to a place of contentment, a place of peace, a place of realizing what great a price has been paid. We were disconnected, as Paul wrote in Ephesians. We were disconnected. We were strangers. We were cut off from relationship with God, but Jesus has made a way. Let us find contentment in Christ. If there are people struggling here with addiction, I pray they find freedom. I don't care what their addiction is. I pray they find freedom in Christ being enough. If there are people in this place today, God, that are struggling with worry and anxiety, I pray they find freedom today. Real freedom, not theorized freedom, not philosophical freedom, but real, authentic, lived out freedom because Christ will become enough for them. Those who may be lonely, those who may be questioning their own worth, their own value, I pray they find freedom today and peace and joy and contentment in Christ. Those who have been lied to, those who have been rejected, those who have been abused, I pray they find freedom and forgiveness today in Christ, where you, Lord, become enough. Those who are prideful and haughty and arrogant, I pray be broken down and be humbled and where their eyes would be opened, where they see Jesus is truly all they need. And we all need you, Lord. Help us see that. Help us to grow in understanding who you've called us to be, who you've created us to be. So we can live as vessels for your glory. So we can advance your kingdom agenda in the earth. I pray that people will experience the freedom in Jesus Christ today like never before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Word of Grace. For more sermons or any other information, visit wogcc.com.